0: one and all to Radio Trivia Podcast Edition, episode ninety-three, and as
1: promised, we have Pedro back, and hopefully it'll work this time. Dude, what happened? We were recording the episode, and all of a sudden, I turned into Zach. For some reason, I <laughs> turned to Zach. I mean, I was talking like him. I was living in Alaska, and all of a sudden, I, I had this knowledge of dinosaurs. It was weird. <laughs> And he was saying stuff that I would never say, like No More Heroes is an okay game. That's not what would never say, I don't know what happened. It was like an out of body experience that it was insane dude.
0: You you didn't have a chance to talk about No More Heroes so before uh, before we actually get started, do you have some anything, any thoughts or counterpoints to uh, to my bashing of the series?
1: Well, I can say everything including that your opinion sucks and mine is better oh okay 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 i'm sorry i'm sorry okay for real now what i was going to say in the episode in the actual actual episode that it's understandable how some people don't like the game because suda 51 which is the guy that created both the game No More heroes and killer seven is the type of developer that loves to make uh, his own games like his own way Like, screw conventions, screw whatever works, we're going to do this because we think it's going to benefit the actual game, the actual story, the actual character. So that's why his games don't always tend to get like a large following because not everybody has the patience for it. And I think No More Heroes is actually more accessible than Killer7 because when we first played that game in 2005, I first played it and I was like... This is the worst game ever. This sucks.
0: Killer Seven's a really weird game. It really is. I, I think we had it on when when Carl was on. It's like an on on rails, not really a shooter, but it it, it kind of has that vibe to it.
1: It, it. You can't even explain what type of game it is because to tell you the whole story, um, when I first played it, I didn't like it, and it was so bad that I actually went to the video store, returned the game because I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. But but then a year later, my best friend, he went. He bought the game for ten bucks because at the time, uh, they had announced no more heroes for the Wii, and he saw. Mm, this, look, this, this looks good, and he found out that Suda Fifty One made uh, Kilo Seven, so he bought the game for cheap, like ten bucks. We started playing, and we were like, "This is weird," but we kept going and going and going. And then when we when we got to the second chapter, we were like, "Oh." now we get it and it it went from being like what the fuck are we playing to this is a really really good game and that's basically what Suda51 likes to do which is make games that are weird are silly are surreal but then when the people get it it's actually really rewarding in a way not for everybody but for some it's really rewarding you know how last year the movie Scott Pilgrim vs. the World came out and everybody was saying that it was like No More Heroes? It's kind of funny because Scott Pilgrim, the movie at least, is very similar to No More Heroes in that some will love it to death and others will, will hate it. And that's the same thing with No More Heroes.
0: Well, uh, we should probably go on to the first game. Pedro picked most of the lineup here. so
1: Okay, before we record we real quick. Um, I just want to say thanks, especially to Kisaki Project, which is James Troxer. He's on the forums, and a while back, he sent me a message on Twitter saying, I always love it when you are on Radio Trivia. Hope you do it again soon. And he's always giving me praise on the forums. This episode goes out to you, and to everybody that gave me... Great support whenever I come to the show. So, thank you, everybody. I always have a lot of fun with this. So, I really hope that you guys enjoy this episode. This is for you all. It's very likely that I chose this game and I have no idea what it is.
0: You'll figure it out, Pedro, don't worry.
1: Okay. I nearly got off, the, got off the chair and started dancing like a madman. I know the game already, and thank you. This was an amazing song.
0: There are a lot of really good songs in this game, and and we'll talk more about why after the third song. Definitely. Here's your question. Which Nintendo character was planned for this game's predecessor but instead premiered in this release?
1: Oh my God! That was the most epic thing ever.
0: Oh come on, you're you're kind of hyperbolizing there, but uh, <laughs>
1: this this
0: is this is a good game and um, good music at least. And uh, well, uh, if the first two songs sounded familiar, it's because uh, they're from two very popular series that have collided in this particular game's release. Uh, Pedro, tell folks what it is.
1: It is Mario and Sonic at the Olympic
2: Winter
0: Games. Yeah, not Winter Olympic Games, Olympic Winter Games. Okay, sorry uh, about ma- that. Ma- no, 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 you got it right. <laughs> That's the point. They Most people would say Winter Olympic Games, but there was a big to-do when they announced this game because um, I guess they wanted to keep the branding, and so they thought that Mario and Sonic at the Olympics was the brand. So say Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Winter Games as opposed to the Winter Olympic Games... To keep the I don't know, so they showed up next to each other in the catalog or something. Um, but it, you know, I, I played a little bit of this game at E3. I thought it was pretty neat. I played it with the the Wii balance board for like a bobsledding level or, or maybe it was a ski level. I thought it was kind of neat. I, I didn't really get the hang of it, but uh, it's hard to when you know when you're at E3. Uh, you're you're sampling a lot of games. Um, it's it's a mini game format though, right? It's a lot of little little events. Is that correct, Pedro?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's a minigame sports collection game. And back in 2009, I reviewed the game for the mm-hmm. site, and I actually gave it a really good review. I gave it a 9 out of 10. And a lot of people were surprised by that because the first game, the Mario Sonic at the Olympic Games, uh, was a game that got a lot of mixed reviews. Some people yeah. liked it, others didn't like it as much. So when I reviewed the game, everybody was like, What? This game is good? What are you talking about?
0: I think they toned down some of the annoying controls. I, I mean, There isn't as much waggle, there isn't as much of that stuff. I, I think it, it's a more balanced game.
1: There was definitely a lot of changes that they made to the game. So Because I thought that the first game was really good, but it had a lot of annoyances and issues that prevented it from being one of the better games on the system. But the Olympic Winter Games, they, everything from the gameplay to the graphics, and especially the music, was polished yeah. to something that is really amazing even, because not even stuff like Wii Sports or Wii Sports Resort have that type of quality to it, especially when you consider that it's a mini game collection.
0: Yeah, you know, I think in general Sega tends to put more resources towards... Uh, you know, orchestration and things like that than Nintendo. And so it shows here, because Seiko is really the, the the organization behind most of this game. Some of the music's cut from the same cloth as, uh, as Sonic Colors, which I guess came the next year. But uh, that last song definitely reminded me of Sonic Colors for Wii. So so there are a lot of remixes or rearrangements, and some are better than others. Uh, some are really fun, because you heard one of them, Mario. Uh, I think it was Mario World's ending music that... Uh, that was orchestrated there. There's a lot of fun little stuff like that. They also just have some reprises uh, from earlier games that aren't remixed, uh, especially from the Sonic games, since Sonic games have had, I don't want to say orchestration, but live rock and things like that for a while. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's, it's really neat. I, I think it's a neat idea. I'm still holding out for the uh, the uh, Mario and Sonic platformer that has to ha- happen sooner or later.
1: Yeah, I agree. It has to happen eventually. I mean, I love the Olympic Games very much. I, I really love them. And I can't wait for the new one that is going, going to come out later in the year, which is the Mario and, & and Sonic at the London Olympic Games. So it's mm. going to be on the Wii and on the 3DS. So I, I'm excited for that. But even now, I really want to see uh, a crossover game finally made. In fact, they can make it like when Capcom crosses over with another funny franchise, which is Sega does uh, a Mario game, maybe, or, or Nintendo does a Sonic game. I
0: well, I would not want to see that. I, I wouldn't mind Nintendo doing a Sonic game, but I'm not sure I'd want to see Sega make a Mario
1: game. Sonic Colors was actually a pretty decent game. I really loved it it. Oh, I liked it. So maybe if they get the team that made that game to to do the Mario game and such, maybe we could have something really good. Um, But going back to the Olympic Winter Games, one of the things that I really loved about the game was the atmosphere because one of uh, of the problems with the first game was that it was pretty bland, even though it it took place in China and it used the original Coliseum and such. It was pretty Mm. bland, pretty boring. Mm. But with the Winter Games, they actually used both the Sonic and Mario franchise to the fullest, and included a lot of details that a lot of fans are going to notice and enjoy, and and, and even with the Olympic venues, the regular venues, they're really good, they're, they're really detailed, you kind of feel mm-hmm. like you're there in Canada, in Vancouver, and you're watching the snow, you're watching the... The, the audience, you are watching the atmosphere, it's really great and that's why I gave it such a good review because not only did it have uh, the polished solid gameplay, it had uh, the great atmosphere it was a great Olympics game because yeah. when I played it, I felt like I was at the Olympics
0: well you know, it, it's kind of interesting cause, cause, because this is based on the Olympics and the Olympics come every two years this is sort of a, a uh, I don't know, semi-annual release as opposed to most sports games that are annual. And so I'm wondering if there's sort of more time built in for them to to make polish. And so maybe they rushed out the first one when they had the idea, but they had two years to maybe work on on the Winter Olympics game, and and it gives them more time to to work on it.
1: I have to agree on that that because... um before I played uh, Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Winter games, I played a, lot, a couple of balance board games that they were pretty sucky because when you use the balance board, you have to recalibrate, like if you finish the minigame you have to go back and recalibrate again and again and again yeah. and it got really tedious and annoying, but with the Olympic Winter games, you calibrated the balance board once, only once and you kept playing as long as you wanted. That's really,
0: really smart of Sega. Yeah, yeah, and, and hopefully uh, what you said about the balance board calibration will be true for Zelda for the uh, Wii Motion Plus. Um, we, we have to answer the bonus question here before we move on. Um, the, the first Olympics game uh, was missing a particular character that is usually found in Mario's spinoff games, and uh, he was introduced in, in the win- Winter Game release, uh, and that was Donkey Kong, mm-hmm. who... Uh, I don't a- know how he got. How did he get left out of the first one? That's that's kind of surprising.
1: Well, the mm-hmm. story goes that some people actually hacked the game and they found a lot of character data files. And they found Donkey Kong, I believe. They found Birdo. They they had Jet the Hawk. If I sorry, if I'm getting the, the name wrong, he was from Sonic Riders. The Green Bird from Sonic Riders. They had a lot of characters that were in the game, but they were cut out at the last minute. So. Actually, that kinda makes uh, confirms the fact that the the first game was really rushed because yeah. they had all, all of these characters and they were cut out at the last minute. But they actually made the character files, they made the character models, so that's how people knew that they were actually in the game. So I take it that with the longer extended development time, they took the, the these characters and polished them and finally included them in the sequel. Well,
0: that's cool. Very cool.
1: One last thing I want to say is that the atmosphere of the game is so great that me and my nephew actually played it every Christmas because there's actually a lot of Christmas references. Like in the part where you you get to buy the bonus content, it's actually like a small town, like a small Canadian town. So whenever you keep purchasing the stuff, you get to add lights, a big Christmas tree, a lot of banners, a lot of lights. So because of that, we decided we are never going to play this game throughout the whole year except on, on Christmas on okay. the holiday season because it's a really great game to play during the holidays if you think about it.
0: a little bit more of a head-scratcher.
1: It's very retro-funky, but I'm still scratching my head as well.
0: Instrumentation itself is kind of a giveaway for this game, but
1: well, kinda. It's a, it kind of sounds like the same song to Nickelodeon's Kablam if you think about it. I mean, <laughs> come on, guys! After you listen to the song, go to YouTube or somewhere, look up the opening to Kablam, and you'll it's the same song but done differently. Your head is going to be blown away.
0: Kablam!
1: This game was released for which two platforms?
0: Yeah, well, um if you couldn't tell based on the, the highly syncopated notes and and very busy sound, this is uh Motoi Sakuraba at his quote unquote finest. Um I like Motoi Sakuraba but there's a bit too much of that in this soundtrack for me. I I think that the uh the first Mario tennis game uh, had a much better soundtrack. This is Mario Power Tennis and what what systems was this released for again?
1: Okay, originally it was released for the GameCube in 2004, and then in 2009 it was re released as a Wii game under the new play control label. Mm
0: -hmm. If I recall correctly, the the play controls weren't done terribly well for being a tennis game. Um, I I remember a lot of complaints.
1: Well, from what what I remember, a lot of people were kind of turned off by the fact that there wasn't a GameCube controller or a classic controller option. So Nintendo uh-huh. forced you to adopt the motion controls. In my case, I didn't mind it much because I actually like the motion controls for Wii Tennis. So I didn't. make... Mi- oh, so so
0: the motion controls are similar to in uh, in, in Wii Tennis or Wii Sports.
1: Well, from what I heard, um, there's a control option where the character moves by itself by by itself. Right. And then all you do is the motions, which is exactly how Wii Tennis does it. But there's, yep. there's also options for where you control the character while you also control the tennis racket movements. So, and from what I remember, not a lot of people liked that because they weren't as refined or polished as in Wii Tennis. Because if you guys remember, in Wii Tennis, they were actually really polished to the point where everybody had to play it to believe it.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, in we tennis, it, it it sensed if you were too early, it hit to the right, or, or too late, it went to the left, or um, or if you have kind of the racket turned downward or upward, or or, or twisted it as you fall through, it it sensed all that and uh, spun the ball or affected the ball, and I'm not I'm not sure they were able to graft all that onto. Uh, we pa- uh, Mario Power Tennis because the controls were originally for GameCube where it's you know BB for backspin, AA for top spin and BA for a lot of backspin and or AB for a lob. Or, I-, I may have the exact controls wrong, but that was the basic idea. Yeah,
1: it was, it's, it's exactly like, like you said. It it was a game designed for the GameCube controller, and they had to take oh. the game and turn it into a Wii game, and it doesn't quite work that way. Unlike Wii Tennis, where it was actually designed around the concept of motion gaming. Whereas Mario Power Tennis was a traditionally controlled game that was moved over to a motion control game. And that didn't work out as well as expected.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm i sure it sounded great on paper. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, it's a tennis game. We already got the tennis game there. We'll just put motion controls in there. But in reality, maybe... Instead of porting the game, they should have re-implemented the game using the same assets, and, and maybe that would have worked instead of trying to graft new controls onto an old engine. But uh, but for what it's worth, at least on the GameCube, um, it's a very good game. Um, it isn't all that different from the N64 game, but the X- N64 game was really awesome. And, uh, and uh, the GameCube game and I assume the Wii game are both beautiful because... You know, the courts, there's not too much in a, in a tennis court. So all the processing powers on the models and making the game really smooth and, and nice shadow effects, it, it looks really nice. I have it to really agree
1: does. on what you just said about the graphics. They're really beautiful. They're really polished. Like, even the tennis, bo- tennis ball has a, if I'm not mistaken, it has a force effect, so it's really good. Yeah. But I have to disagree yeah. on this game being similar to the, n64 game and that's why why I like the game I didn't like it as much as the original n64 game mm. to give you a better idea back in the day I actually didn't like the Mario sports game because I didn't like sports I, like I said right. I want to play Mario as as a plaf- as a platforming game as a hero or something like that as a I. I barely accepted him as a car racer back in the day, if you can believe that. Like, <laughs> but one day, I decided to rent the game because I keep hearing that it was really good, and I loved it. It was really, really good.
0: The, the N64 game or the N64 game
1: game? n game, the N64 okay. game. It was really good. It was really polished, really fun, really easy to get into, and even even taught me how to play tennis and the basics of tennis. Yeah. And the funny thing is that I learned better in this game than I did in high school when I actually took a tennis course, if you can believe that. It was really insane. I believe that. Yeah, I I can see that. You know,
0: the interesting thing about Mario Tennis, both of them, is that in in my mind, it's almost like a fighting game. And, And... I don't like fighting games, but this is a simple enough controls that I could get into. By fighting game, I mean it's really just you versus someone else, or maybe a team versus another team. And it's back and forth really quickly. You're trying to outmaneuver each other. You're trying to outsmart each other. Just place the ball someplace that's hard to, to reach, and um, and I just I just feel like it's a very tactical game. It just it just has it has a lot of. It's a very satisfying game to play against. And that's why
1: I love this so much because it was really polished, really simple, really easy to understand, and yet the challenge was there, it was really addicting. My problem with Mario Power Tennis is that they tried to add too much to it, because the characters now had the special abilities where you you would summon like uh, bananas or confuse the other player, and it was really activated, some people liked it that way, I didn't as much, I thought they were kind of a nuisance, and I kind of wish that you had the option of turning it off. You do have the option of turning it. You have?
0: Oh yeah, that's why I'm saying it's, it's just as good or better. You can turn off those those wacky controls if you want, and it's just like the N64 game.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, you'll, you'll have to go back and, ch- and check it out again.
1: Yeah, I have, because it's been ages, but I remember the, f- the first time I played it, I was like, eh, it's too much for me.
0: I reviewed the game and I got the Japanese import, even though it was only like a week behind the U.S. release or a week ahead of the U.S. release. I would say that if you like the N64 game, you don't need to get the the Wii or the GameCube game. They're, they're basically the same. And, and if you download the, I think it's on virtual console, Mario Tennis for N64, um, that, that's a perfectly good game. You, you can play it on there and you're not really missing anything. But I did like doing the... the uh, the power moves on occasion. I think that it mixed things up. And, and there was some balance to it. So most characters had kind of a, a power they had a power shot and they had kind of a recovery shot. And, uh, and and you had to charge it up. So you had to be careful when you used it because if, if you messed up and you missed it, you tended to be more vulnerable. Um, and so there was this sort of give and take of, well, do you use the power shot or do you want to save for a, a, a recovery? And so, yeah, I can make the volleys too long. If you had two good players, but at the same time, uh, it, it gave players that weren't as good a, a kind of a, a chance at, at recovering. So
1: Actually, I have, a, I have a friend that actually went through his st- entire life mastering Mario Power Tennis, and when the game came out to, on the Wii, he actually hated it because of the control issues that we mentioned earlier. Yeah, so well, that's,
0: I, I could see that, yeah.
1: And we got the music before we move on now. I have to agree that the music is somewhat bland. I really like the, the music, you know, a little bit better.
0: Uh, I prefer the Mario Golf soundtracks for a little more laid back because it's a golf game, not like an intense tennis battle. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's okay. I think the N64 game had more remixes and rearrangements of classic songs, so that helped tone it down a little bit. But um, I don't know. I, I just thought they were more memorable new and rearrangements in the n Well, I'll be
1: fair and I'm going to try to find a copy of the GameCube version and try it out because it's been eight years since I last yeah. played it. I just mentioned in from first impressions when I first got it for Christmas back in two thousand and four. I was like, this is good but I still like the original better so I'm going to be fair I make that promise. I'm going to try to hunt out my copy and play play that instead.
0: Yeah. I mean if you don't like the, the items and there's nothing new in this game. Um, but ex- except for the intro, I gotta mention the intro to this. Oh game, yeah, right?
1: I, I nearly forgot about that one. It is the most batshit
0: insane Mario intro ever, but I love it for it. it it's um, Wario and Waluigi are defeated by Mario and Luigi in a tennis match, and so they're plotting their revenge. And like Bowser trains them, and uh, there's this one scene that's like my favorite thing ever, where Waluigi sees sees Luigi on on a billboard or whatever for the tournament. And he says, "Take that, Mr. Eyeballs!" And he draws
1: uh, on them and
0: draws little eyelashes.
1: <laughs> I love that one. That was that's also my favorite scene in the whole opening. That was.
0: Yeah, Mario's like, "Yeah, yeah, eyeballs!" Yeah, <laughs> and he scribbles on Mario. So it, th- there's it was really funny.
1: The main thing is that Camelot, the game's developer, actually went to the extra effort to make bloopers for the opening. They actually made bloopers.
0: Oh, that's right I forgot about that in, in the closing credits there there are bloopers for that it, it, it's very well done it has absolutely nothing to do with the actual mm-hmm. game but it, it, it is very amusing it's,
1: somebody was inspired by Pixel somebody was definitely yeah. inspired by Pixel
0: yeah, yeah, yeah it, very well done I, yeah. I, uh, I got a real kick out of that so uh, alright the next game is a request uh, by Pedro but it was also requested by Geo so.
1: oh I love that guy already That was very lively.
0: Okay, well, uh, that was the second song of this happy-go-lucky soundtrack.:
1: That was really interesting. It started like an old-timey, really yeah. interesting sound, and it kind of got really bumpy. It's really good. I really enjoyed the soundtrack.:
0: Yeah, this, this game has a surprisingly good soundtrack. maybe I shouldn't say surprisingly good. It's a good soundtrack, but uh, we have a question about about the game.
1: The core team of developers behind this game is best known for working on which similar franchise. And up and down, left, right, move it, everybody, move it. Bingo! Yeah.
0: Oh, oh, wait, no, that's the name of the song, it's probably for the bingo game. What game is this, Pedro? Do you know?
1: Oh, yeah, I definitely know. This is We Party,
0: uh, a game that I never really gave a good chance. I, I, I have to say, uh, I like Mario Mari Party series, I, I'm interested in We Party. I'm just not in a situation Wii right like now. To where...
1: we, like. we like to party, we like to party. I'm sorry. What? Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's
0: a ter- thats a terrible. That's a terrible joke.
1: we um, though. <laughs> so. We like to party. We like to party.
0: Yeah. Now I have like the Venga buses coming and uh, stuck in my head for some reason. But
1: <clears throat> moving anyway, on.
0: Yeah. The problem is, this sort of game you got to have a group of people to play with, and I really am just not around a bunch of gamers often enough, or even people that are just sort of casual gamers that would be interested in this. So uh, I really have not checked it out, but I actually kind of enjoyed it when I played it at E3, and, and the soundtrack, which I couldn't hear at E3, uh, is very good for this game.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I actually reviewed the game for the site, I reviewed it uh, back a year ago, I really mm-hmm. gave, it a, I gave it a really good score, I should say, because it surprised me. At first, I didn't care much for it because it looked really plain, really bland. It looked like a casual version of Mario Party, which is actually yeah. the answer to a question. The development team right. that did Wii Party is actually the same team that created Mario Party, so when you play Wii Party, you're going to remember Mario Party a lot. So anyways, mm. I thought it was going to be bland, very normal, very... pretty typical for the Wii series. But when I first played it, I was really surprised at how well and how well designed this game is because it was, I'm sorry to say this, I know a lot of people are going to be disagreeing with me with this, but one of the problems that that the Mario Party franchise had was it got to a point where it got really complex, and it was aimed more at the Mario Party hardcore audience than the casual audience. And yeah, it, well, and I got, agree. And it got really boring, too, because when Mario Party 8 came out in 2007, me and my friends actually played it at a bar in the, in town, at a local bar in town, mm-hmm. and we played it four players, and within the first... 10 to 15 minutes, we were bored because every time we had a turn, we were like, Okay, Wario moves three spaces. Oh no, he landed on the special stage. Now he gets to play a minigame. He gets to play with Peach. Now they have to play together. And
0: everyone else sits around. And
1: everybody sits around, and it got so bad that one of us actually got up and started hitting on the witnesses instead of playing the game <laughs> and another one was falling asleep and everybody was yeah. everybody was bored out of their minds I know yeah. some people like that a lot of people are actually are expert players at Mario Party because they know all of the nuances to the gameplay but it got to a point where it got really tedious, really boring and when you were to play a mini game you had to play it for like 30 seconds or 1 minute then you had like two to five minutes of shuffling around the board and that wasn't really fun. No, that's absolutely true. Well, what we probably did was eliminate all of the additional fat. We eliminated all of the unnecessary, superfluous strategy elements and then decided to focus on the actual game itself. So when you just play like on a board game, it's like okay, player one, player two, player three. Okay, player one moves to the First base. Oh no! This happens now to play to the uh, uh, mini game, and it goes really, really it's fast. It's, it's Well, I
0: think part of the problem with the Mario Party series was, was that it, it it felt like it had to make use of the Mario franchise to do zany, funny things, especially as it, to justify five, six, seven, eight, you know, entries in the series. And so it it got so mired in the in this these details that I mean, you say strategy, but a lot of it still comes down to luck. It just sort of it's it just sort of complex, unnecessarily so. so it's, 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 you're, it's exactly what you said. They trimmed a lot of the fat uh, on Wii Party. And, and so there's a board game mode, but there are also a lot of other modes that are fun that aren't really based on a board game. Like there's there's this part where you're trying to balance uh, a boat and you have to place knees down such that the boat doesn't tip over. And so it's a different way of combining a bunch of mini games together into kind of a, a competition or a collaborative effort without... Um, resorting to this arcane board system. So,
1: well, what I mean by strategy in the Mario Party game is that some players actually know how to use their items. They know that how to summon oh. them, and some of them are kind of like poker players in the sense that they know how to use everything, but they have a like a poker face. Instead, they have a Mario Party face. Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. But they're going to do all too at the very last minute, like, Alright, we are on the last turn. I'm going to win and then the other guys use this.
0: Yeah, use the genie. Takes all your stars or whatever and yeah. Oh, oh fuck you, I hate you. Yeah, there's a lot of that crap in Mario Party.
1: Yeah. But we party actually decides on the actual party. Everybody's having fun. Like even when you lose it's like that was really fun. I really liked it. I wanna play that again. And I don't know. Like I said, a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this. They said that they, they casualized Mario Party, which was for some already a casual game, but I disagree.
0: Yeah, it was already a casual it game.
1: It was already a casual game, but Wii Party just does away with the superfluous ideas and skips it with the actual gameplay, which is why I thought it was one of the best party games on the Wii from 2010.
0: Well, there you have it, Wii Party. I'm glad you're here cuz I would not I would not have been able to talk about that game so thank you. We got another request here. Um, this one is is another one of these uh, long overlooked requests. This is from Andrew Newton and he requested this March 4th of 2008, even even earlier than last episode's requests. So A long time ago
1: in a podcast long, far, far away.
0: I sincerely hope Andrew didn't get fed up with me for not using his request and stop listening to this uh, uh, podcast. All right. Here we go. Game four. It's not super exciting,
2: unfortunately.
1: Speaking of catchy hunting earworm songs.
0: Yeah, well it's only it only is stuck in your head if you've actually played this game for a length any length of time. Fortunately. Here's the next song which sounds a lot like the one you just heard. a little more interesting than than uh, I thought it was. All right. Well, here's your question. And uh, Pedro actually does not know this game. So this one, he's playing along with. What special power does vanilla hold in this game?
1: Actually, I know what the game is about, but I'm keeping a secret. All right. Short, sweet, and to the point.
0: That's basically the entire soundtrack from this game. Do you know what game this is, Pedro?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. It's A Boy and His Blob, the NES version.
0: That's right, Trouble in blob A very archaic game um, with interesting ideas, but uh, it's... Uh, people are probably familiar with this game already, but the, the concept is you're a boy who has a blob tagging around and, and, and you throw him jelly beans and he transforms into things and, and you're given a finite number of jelly beans uh, you know 10 vanilla 8 cola so on and so forth and um and I think you can collect a few more jelly beans as treasures but uh, the the idea is that you're wandering around and collecting treasures and, and getting stuff you need to beat the game yeah, but the game doesn't really tell you how to play it at all um as as a, as a kid, I tried to place... I didn't get anywhere because I didn't realize you're supposed to go down the stairs to the subway, uh, which maybe you had to push down to do, and I didn't know at the time. So it's actually quite clever. There are a lot, a lot of things you can do with the blob. It turns into a ladder with the vanilla bean. No, sorry, with the um, I don't remember the different beans. The vanilla is the umbrella. That's the answer to the question. But you turn into a ladder. You can turn into an umbrella. You can turn into a hole, which lets you fall through things. And uh, the, the problem is that, especially with the hole, they're expecting you to uh, to know where to fall, basically uh, down to the next screen, when there are no indicators. It's very much trial and error. And it's very, 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 very easy to die in this game. The, the boy is very slippery. The blob isn't very responsive at coming when you call him. And there are a lot of these blind alleys. The, there's these enemies that jump around that... Uh, that you can't jump in the game, so you have to run underneath them just so so you don't get killed. Um, it's it's a pretty evil game. Um, have, you, have you played the game?
1: Well, I haven't played it fully, but I, we, I did play it after watching a part of the way, way, way back in the day. Like when I was in my first year of college, I saw a, a part of the video of it, and I was like, what is this game about? What? So I played it, and I was like, okay, then moving on
0: yeah it, it, it's, it's so hard to figure out what you're supposed to do I would it say really it's
1: kind of like a post, a mix between a puzzle platformer and a point and click game because they're kind of a cake in a way because the game doesn't tell you what to do exactly you have to figure it out which is similar to a point and click game and I say yeah. it's, it's like a puzzle platformer because you're not exactly pla- uh, jumping around but you are kind of exploring the area, so you're using it to try to advance using your skills and that's pretty much avoidance and his blob. you're using right. the blob as a tool to get to the other areas and you have to be clever with that, so that's why I, I say it's like a point-and-click game combined with a puzzle platformer but the problem mm-hmm. is that since it was done for the NES the NES is very limited in terms of hardware and I think that should have been like a computer game where you can put a lot of graphics, a lot of details, a lot of sound effects, something that gave the player an idea of what to do. But on the NES, it's very limited. It's, it's easy to get
0: disoriented because most of the game takes place in like underground caves. Um, and uh, it's it, in some ways, it reminds me of Metroid. If, if there's a little bit of exploration, you can kind of go in multiple directions to, to get to the end result. But it, it just far less guided than Metroid, which the original Metroid was not terribly guided, but Blob is even worse about that.
1: Well, at least the original Metroid, you could play it, you could still explore, you could still figure out that B or one of the buttons shoots the other enemies, you can kill them, you can still explore and find something we not need about it.
0: This game is such that you could waste jelly beans that are really important and then not know it until like the end of the game when you actually need to use that jelly bean and like, oh i'm out of those i guess i can't beat the game and and you're given like five lives i i watched someone play through most of this on youtube and i don't see how you could play through this game without using save states there's just so many ways to die that i mean it just so artificially extends the game that that it's painful it really is painful and uh, I've heard someone maybe it was like on Retronauts someone likened it to uh, an Atari game and it does kind of feel like a holder of that era of, of level design it's a little more complex in terms of what they've been able to cram into it but in terms of how much guidance the player is given on how to actually play the darn game it's definitely in that the Atari realm um, but I, I like the concepts, the concepts are great and uh, they of course carried a lot of those over in, in the Wii game
1: I'm surprised that the game has like a cult following because it's so archaic, so difficult, it's amazing that people actually wanted a sequel out of it, they wanted a remake, and we actually got one, we got one for the Wii in 2009, and I own the game man, even though I never fi- finished it, this is exactly how they wanted the game to be about it, this is actually more polished, more clever, and even sweeter and more beautiful. The original one is yeah. just so confusing; you don't know what to do. The new one actually takes the idea of trying to let the player figure out what to do, but instead of making it like really hard, they give you they give you small hints that tell you, "Try this, maybe try that." Or
0: you have unlimited jelly beans too, which help a lot. Um, you're, you're not punished for experimenting like you basically were in the original. We got one last game here. And uh, it's a, it's a good one, so let's go.
1: Yeah, very lucky. I know what the game is, and I know that the last time this kind of game, uh, I got very excited. I'm not that excited. I explain why in a bit. Yeah, that was really bouncy but repetitive. I still love it, though.
0: All right, here is your last question. Which greedy character is the final boss of this game? And there you have it.
1: That was a little bit more buried, at least.
0: Oh yeah, and I recognize that song from from the franchise too, which is nice. This is, well, you, you tell them what it is.
1: If you guys know me well, then you know what this game is. This is Tiny Toon Adventures: Two Trouble in Wacky Land for the for the NES.
0: Right. And uh, I'm I'm curious to see your thoughts on this. I I watched some videos online, but I, I want I want to hear your thoughts before I chime in on this game.
1: Alright, um, this is actually the sequel to the first Tiny Toons game on the NES, and as a kid, I actually loved that game more, even though I liked the Super NES versions, which as you guys remember, we actually discussed that in the last episode I was in, and right. you guys know that I got really excited because I really loved that game. For this one though, I didn't get excited because it's not as good as the NES game, or as the Super NES game And that's because they change things a lot Instead of well, being like a typical platformer They try to do like a mini game like concept So what you do is yeah. that you play as 5 different characters, or I should say 6 if I'm not mistaken Counting the last level, which is unlocked at the beginning You have uh, 6 stages each stage has a different Tiny Toons character, has a playable character, and on paper it sounds really nice because I was a big fan of the show, like I said, so it was really exciting to play as Rocky, Babs Bunny, and Hampton, <laughs> and all, the, all of the other characters, it was really exciting for me. But the problem lies in the gameplay concept because it appeals something that I really hate in some games, which is like the quick reflex gaming. Um, and there's a lot of, of that in this game. For example, in Babs's uh, stage, it's actually a roller coaster mini game where you have to you have to dodge uh, obstacles out of the way. You have to turn the roller coaster cart upside down so you can avoid some obstacles and such and while that sounds kinda fun the problem is that the stage goes for far too long and it gets harder and harder and harder to a point where you have to be really quick, you have to be you have to have insane reflexes so at first it it gets kinda fun but by the time you die for the 20th time you just want to throw the game away and that's basically the problem with the whole game a lot of the game is like that it's a lot of cheap deaths. Exactly, that's exactly it. And it's funny that you say it requires quick reflexes, because watching the game,
0: it feels like at times the game is really slow-paced. Like uh, like the train level, with uh, I guess it's Hampton. Um, it just seems like it's really slow-paced. There are parts where you, there's trickiness, but then there's a lot of downtime, too. So it, it seems like this game managed to be both slow-paced and nefarious with uh, Twitch reflexes. So... That, I'm not sure how it pulls that off, but it's, that seems to be the case.
1: Not only that, the the gameplay design is a little bit similar in between each game because you have the four balls lock stage, which is actually a side exploding game. Uh, very, a very different variation of BAPS's well it the game. You had the train level, which is kind of a side scroller as well. The only game that is actually different is Blocky's bumper car game, and that's kind of cheap too. That's like a, a very cheap game as well.
0: They, uh, they kind of phoned this one in, though.
1: Yeah, it was released in 1993, which at the time uh, the, the Super NES was around, maybe they had the game that plan after the first NES game came out and they said, you know what? Let's just finish it. Release it. Move on. Move on. At least we can play the game is finished. And one thing I have to say is that I know that the first NES game had these sort of cheap deaths as well as the Super NES game. But at least those two games try to balance things out where you had the clever platforming stages along with the fast paced, tricky and fun stages whereas this game it just too many cheap deaths and the t- stages are really long and I'm not mistaken the 4-Ball block stage actually has like 2 or 3 stages I don't know but I know for sure that the Bumper game is actually, actually has uh, 3 levels and that gets really old real quick
0: well, there you have it. See, Pedro it doesn't matter if it has his favorite characters if if the game itself is not good. So there you have I it.
1: Was, I won't say it's really bad because it could have been a lot worse. It's actually really polished, really well made. It's just that the the concept is uh it's not as planned out, not as planned out as the previous games, and that's yeah. why I really enjoy the music. That's why I picked it for this episode. It's really catchy. Although a little bit repetitive, but it's really really catchy, but the gameplay itself is like, it's good, but they've done better. Konami has done better with it.
0: Yeah. Sure. Well, uh, we got to answer the question before we close things out. Who is the greedy character that is the final boss of this game?
1: Well, that's easy, Montana Max, because they keep using in all of the games. It's kind of strange. I,
0: I guess he was sort of the villain in a lot of episodes for Tiny Toons, but it never really registered to me that he would be like the super villain of every video game.
1: Yeah, no, because they had uh, episodes too where they had other characters as villains.
0: Right. Monty was greedy, but, in, you know, there were some episodes where he was bad guy, but there are other ones where he was just another character. You know, yes, so. a fun
1: fact. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, I loved the series and I actually recognized where they got the concept for the, all of the characters. Uh, right. As you guys know, they're basically, the characters are uh, descendants of the Looney Tunes so Babs is actually based on... I'm not, I'm not sure they're actually descendants. I think they're
0: just based on. Yes, I mean, there's no relation. A
1: little okay. bit similar, yeah. they're A little bit similar like that. And as a kid, I saw Montana Max, I saw a Fod, and I was saying to myself every time I watched the series on which characters are they, they based again because they're really different from the other characters. And then years later, I, I finally figured it out. I was like, of course, Montana Mass is actually just enemy Sam Right. Sam, and well, I might have thought it's actually Emma um, Fun.
0: Well, it's Almira it's, it's Duff, if I recall correctly. And yeah, so it's
1: FUD backwards. Almyra Duff, yeah. And when I saw when I saw that, I realized that I was like, oh my god, I'm such an idiot. It's, it makes sense because don't
0: don't feel bad. I I had, it took me a while to figure that out too. It, it, Those were less obvious.
1: Montana Max, the the scene is that Montana Max is actually very different from Yosemite Sam because Yosemite Sam was a cowboy. He was a really rude, really violent cowboy. While Montana Max is a greedy, spoiled brat. So you don't see the connection. The only connection that you see is, is the eyes. The eyes are kind of similar. But you don't see that he's actually based off of Yosemite Sam. And Myra is a little bit more... Obvious because you see the facial features and the name itself gives it away. Right. Emma and Elmira, tough. The difference right. is that while uh, Elmo, Emma Fodd, wanted to kill animals, she actually loves animals too much. So She loves
0: them to death. Elmer just wanted to kill them. Elmira loves animals to death. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> There's and a sort of a funny twist.
1: Funny twist, like she loves animals but ends up killing the animals anyways.
0: All right, well, we're going to wrap things up here. Uh, Thank you again for for co-hosting, Pedro, as always. You always come with a huge bag of of game requests. so That that always makes my life easy.
1: Uh, (laughs) Yeah, but I tend to go a little bit overboard every time, but since I always look at the list and say, I I look at it and say, oh, this could be a good game to request or present on the show because it's actually iconic and it could be really fun to discuss.
0: Well, if you have your game requests and you want us to discuss them, you can uh, send them to me by using the form, which uh, I link in every episode of this podcast. There's a form you can go to, follow the hyperlink, fill it out, send it my way, and I will get your request. I've gotten a lot of excellent requests recently, and uh, I'm always happy to get more. Uh, just, uh, Just be patient if it takes a little while for me to get there.
1: We don't make any promises that we will answer every request Right away? Yeah. No, we can't. So maybe if you send like a request now, you might hear it in 2030. If we live long enough to actually maybe. see the light of day. No promises. No promises. No promises. Best effort.
0: No guaranteed service here.
1: I can promise I will be here as always. So once again, thank you for inviting me. Thank you, everybody, for all all of the kind words. Uh, I'm surprised that you guys like to hear me in my broken English accent talk about games for like an hour so really thank you guys you're awesome alright bye everyone bye bye later and remember we like to party we like no! we like to party da 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 da
0: Sonic at the Olympic Winter Games is copyright 2009, International Olympic Committee. Mario Power Tennis is copyright 2004-2009, Nintendo Camelot. Wii Party is copyright 2010, Nintendo. A Boy and His Blob, Trouble on Blobolonia is copyright 1989, Absolute Entertainment. Tiny Toon Adventures 2, Trouble in Land is copyright 1993,
1: Konami. Me and my nephew actually played it every Christmas because there's (laughs) actually a lot of Christmas references like In the part where you you get to buy the bonus content, it's actually like a small town, like a small Canadian town. So whenever you keep purchasing the stuff, you get to have lights, a big Christmas tree, a lot of banners, a lot of lights. So because of that, we decided we are never going to play this game throughout the whole year except on on Christmas (laughs) on the holiday season because it's a really great game to play during the holidays. If you think about Good it.
0: for you, bad for me. Okay, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not Christian. <laughs> Sorry, that's inappropriate. We'll move on.
1: <laughs> this game was released for which two platforms? Oh, so it was released. Really, Top one, two times. Oh, ha oh, ha! Oh. That was a really bad impression.
0: Is that supposed to be the count from like from Sesame Street?
1: A really bastardized version. Yes.
0: Oh oh oh.
1: No, you can't be in the podcast. No, you can't. My cat is is (laughs) grinding the door. (laughs) He has a strong opinion on Mario Power Tennis. No.
0: Actually, that's sort of relevant because uh, Six Flags use that for its advertising. Oh, yeah.
1: That's kind of like an odd connection because we talk, we party, which actually leads to the... The song which actually used it for the Six Flags theme park, which actually has the Looney Tunes, which are actually fired the Tiny Tunes I so it's like a insane, weird conspiracy theory. It
0: was all in the subconscious, it was all planned out ahead of us.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Alright, let's do a clap. We like to party. We like it. We like to party.
0: The Vingabush is coming. Let's get to something something. La, 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 la. Complain and talk back. We
2: like to party. We like, we like to party. We like to party.